Good morning, DC United fans, and welcome in to Tried and True, the morning after show, presented by Heineken 0.0, as we'll talk you through DC United's third consecutive defeat, this time at the hands of Atlanta United FC 2-1 last night at Audi Field, and it's John and Michael this morning. Michael, good morning. How are we feeling? Uh, awake, you know, ready to talk about the game. Uh, yeah, and sometimes it's, it's good to have a, a few hours to kind of process and think about things that have happened and uh, I guess what the, that's what we'll get into tonight today I don't know maybe I'm not here <laughs> yeah lot, lots lots to talk through uh, and you know a, another frustrating way to lose uh, for, for DC United last night I, I thought the game was ugly uh, definitely the first half I remember talking to you and the folks around us just about that there wasn't much of a rhythm to the game I think um, both DC United and Atlanta fans were united in their disdain for the refereeing last night um, which made things further choppier <laughs> throughout the game but really in the second half it felt like a gut punch to me because DC United seemed to be really pushing to, to take the lead when they conceded the goal and just all the air went out of the building. Yeah. It, it, I hesitate to say that it felt like a DC United game of old where uh, you are depending on basically mood swings for how the game ends up playing out because really DC United had cleaned up a lot of the problems in that second half. Like the first half we were getting countered repeatedly, which is what Atlanta was looking to do and, had success on their first goal there from, from Joseph. But, you know, frankly, in the second half, DC United had really you know, taken the front foot and were you know, pushing for opportunities. I think at the end of the day, we ended up with 27 shots, only six or seven of those on target, which is not a, a great rate, but there's still, there's opportunities there that didn't end up panning out. So I definitely hear what you're saying as far as, Having that goal late in the second half, after the 80th minute from Moreno that you know came through and really just kind of squirted through there, uh, Atlanta did not look like they were going to be rattling up lots of goals like the Atlanta Bowl that you you kind of think of from their MLS Cup days. So uh, I definitely hear you there. But I mean, the team the team looks the team looks good. You know, they made adjustments. It just didn't come off for them last night and stacking that on top of uh as a third consecutive loss is is frustrating especially against a team right with you in the playoff standings yeah i mean i I think for me it was upon reflecting on it which is a little what we could do a little bit more when we when we do the show the next day um it was a better performance out of john kevin than than it's been this week and particularly in nashville um, I, I think it was just emblematic of the week when that last goal went in to, to give Atlanta the lead and ultimately the win just to see Kempen watching the ball go past him and then having to fish it out of the net. We've seen that so many times this week, and I think that kind of uh, piqued my frustration. I mean, this is a this is a team that, that gave up 10 goals in a week in th- over three games. Um but I don't think you know that that final goal certainly wasn't on Kempen, and and more probably what three or four times Atlanta was in two on one, three on one, one on zero, <laughs> you know, and and Kempen made a couple saves, there were a couple misses, um, but overall I think it was a better performance out of Kempen. I just don't. I, I guess I'm I'm struggling to understand it with the back line how we gave up so many of those opportunities on on counters. Yeah, uh, well, particularly, well, like we said, in the second half, 
Atlanta's opportunities were few and far between. You know, they still have the firepower to create those opportunities, but you know, really, it was a question of, of them executing and DC United failing to. Remember, we had several opportunities where DC United could have put the ball in the back of that. The to put it high up into the supporters section on a goal that looked basically yeah. open. Uh, if we're going to call them in clinical, that has to be in the back of the net. But we also, you know, may have been a bit fortunate not to give up a penalty in the first half and go down 2-0 going into halftime. Uh, so, again, it, it goes back and forth. But I agree with you. I think Kempen had a better game. Uh, he isn't going to stand on his head and, and carry the team. But uh, you know, certainly serviceable. And uh, if we come away with a draw, I don't think – uh, either side could have really begrudged it. No, I certainly would have taken it. Uh, <laughs> but as we look at the the starting eleven for DC United last night, um, we talked a little bit. Is, is this potentially one of the the strongest elevens we have available right now? We had a couple players return from injury. Um, Ian Har back starting uh, along with Russell Canals. Um, Edison Flores put in another great shift, in my opinion. Was there was there anything surprising to you about the starting eleven last night? No, I think that this is, like you said, it's probably pretty close to what you're looking for. Uh, I think it's a little bit interesting that you're still seeing Mora getting uh, you know, the run out as, as that wing back. We've talked about how that's not necessarily where he's at. But if you're going to put Paredes in that you know more forward attacking role, uh, you're not really going to slot Yao back in there. Uh, and you saw that kind of shift in, later in the game where you moved Paredes back and brought Yao in for him. Um, right. You know, with Briant being out with an injury, we think, um, you know, having Alfaro in there makes sense. And Heinzeich still on the long term uh, end. I think the, the biggest hole that you're missing is Areola. And I don't really know where he goes here. Maybe, maybe if you have Paul available, uh, Paul goes up for Kevin and then Kevin slots back in the, the more role. I think that's right. Yeah. But other than that, it's pretty close to about the best thing we can put together. Uh, and again, not a terrible performance from the team. Uh, no, a rough result. All. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. And and I'm I'm looking think, forward to, to talking a little bit more here shortly about um you know about the goalkeeping situation. We'll we'll do that after we get to the the post game press conference. But I, this is the time of season where I'm constantly reminding myself and and you know other fans that we talk to about. You know, we don't see what goes on day in and day out at practice. You know, we don't know who's playing to what level, who's to what level of fitness, uh, as well as obviously the coaching staff does. At the beginning of the season, it's it's a lot easier for us to kind of say, well, you know, we've seen guys like Emil Assad before; they was playing pretty well at the end of last season. We'd expect to see him get more minutes. At this point, I, I I'm curious what is going on with a player like Emil Assad because this seemed like a game where he could have potentially came in. As an attacking option, they moved Paredes back, um, but they brought who did they bring in for? I'm looking at the subs right now. So uh, Scundridge came in for uh, for Flores in the 61st minute, um, and then we had Felipe and Avila and Yao all come on later on. So they used five subs. Demi Assad was not one of them, um, and, and just as you pointed out, that Joseph Mora being a little bit out of sorts in that in that wing back role, they moved Kevin back. I, I thought he. Um, Assad could be a potential option there in that Areola slot, and it just it doesn't seem like he's getting minutes these days. 
No, I agree. And again, we, I don't think we're calling for Yamil uh, to be on the field, although I did pick him as my potential player of the year at the beginning of the year. And I'm certainly regretting that uh, based on performance through 20 games or lack thereof. Uh, but particularly, you know, when you have a chance to play a guy against his former team, like you saw what happened with Emma Boateng the other day, uh, definitely making sure that DC United understood uh, what we had uh, given up when we let him move on to greener pastures. Uh, you, you would have thought there might have been a little bit more fire there from Emil, but at this point, he's having trouble cracking the lineup. He had a, you know, a pretty good uh, amount of minutes on, on Wednesday night. And so he's yeah certainly still on the rotation, but uh, I, I don't know. No, we're probably not going to get uh, a clear answer from Lasada on that. He's not uh, prone to talking about individual player performances or uh, statuses uh, beyond whether they might be injured or not. Uh, so I guess we're going to have to continue to try to read the tea leaves there. But uh, I, I too was surprised to not get Assad out there. Yeah, and with that, let's go ahead and flip over to uh, head coach Nan Lasada's post-game press conference. All right, we'll go ahead and go right to questions, coach. We'll go to Jason Anderson first. Jason, go ahead. Uh, hi, Arnon. Uh, thanks for speaking to us after what I'm sure was a frustrating defeat to have that many shots. Um, I was curious about uh, your thoughts on the first half, how Atlanta was able to uh, have quite a few counters that were quite dangerous. Uh, then they sort of dried up after halftime. What, what, what had you changed to, uh, to help, help that come to pass? We didn't change much. Uh, during the halftime, I told that uh, if we were going to step forward and, and press, it has to be with a lot more intensity, closer uh, to, the, to the man, to the player. And if you don't succeed on the press, you just need to make a fault. And get and win a yellow card, and when the pressure doesn't succeed, then you need to drop, uh, fall back, and reorganize and close the center and push the opponent to play to the outside. And I think the first goal it's a good example of, uh, or the whole line needs to drop and close the center, uh, or uh, you step forward, aggressive enough, to cover that assist from Barco. I think. And if we are if we are not keeping the line, then in this case, we need to follow the running player uh, and 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 just and just defend, you know. But um, uh, look, Atlanta invested to be champion, right? Uh, Atlanta is a team who has on the field I don't know how many millions, uh, and and when you see the, the stats and you see to the whole game. Um, we need to compensate all those millions and all that quality and, 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 and talent that Atlanta has with a fighting spirit, with a collective, with uh, aggressivity, with, uh, ver <coughs> with vertical power play. And, and we did it. Uh, I think uh, at least, at least we, we don't have to lose. We don't deserve to lose, at least. Uh, and, and then it's that same quality um, that needs to finish all the opportunities we have. I'm talking about open opportunities, six yards uh, from, the, from the goal line, uh, headers, an incredible save from Gusan uh, in a shot from Felipe. If you start counting, it's, it's like 
a million opportunities. Uh, when we were losing, when it was a tie, and even when we were uh, at the end losing uh, one, two. So in total, I believe, of course, there is always space for improvement and I, I always want to get better. And I'm very critical with my players, but I don't think you can do a lot more than what we did today to win the game. Uh, you step on the field, you play at home, you play against a team who is on paper and uh, based on investments a million times better, better than you, a team who is almost uh, obligated to be champion and you you deserve to win, or at least you don't deserve to lose. So, so the balance is still positive and I know it's the third defeat, but you need to put the ball in the back of the net. That simple is, if, if you have 27 shots, well, score, score at least normal goals and not that incredible goal from another planet that Jordi Reina is scoring, you know, because that's the most difficult one. And the, the easy ones are, we are missing. So it's uh, unlucky today and, and, and that's it. We need to move forward. But Mario Amaya. Hola Hernán, uh, solo quiero preguntar, en un partido reñido donde ambos equipos tuvieron muchas oportunidades en, crea en creación de goles, uh, quiero preguntar, ¿qué, ¿qué fue lo que hizo bien el equipo y qué, fue, qué son algunas de las cosas que, debe, que puede mejorar el equipo ya uh, llegando al final de la temporada? El equipo hizo todo bien, todo bien, generó situaciones de gol, presionó, hizo falta, eh, defendió transpirando la camiseta, dejando la vida en cada pelota. No sé si se le puede pedir más al equipo. Coach, there's no more questions. You're good. That's DC United head coach Hernan Lozada. Uh, surprised that there weren't more questions there at the end. And uh, I apologize to our listeners for we had some technical difficulties there uh, with the audio at the beginning. But um, we can we can fill you in a little bit on on uh, what you may have missed there. I, I didn't quite get bingo on the Hernan Lasada uh, press conference bingo card today, but it was close. He did mention the uh, Atlanta United budget being much higher than that of DC United and the millions that they had on the field. Um, he mentioned that they did not deserve to lose today, um, and he did mention that the team is 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 in a good place mentality wise th throughout the interview. So. Um, all, all joking aside of, of some of the, the similar refrains we get from the Lasada era press conferences, Michael, your, your thoughts on, uh, on coaches recap of last night's game. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll tack onto that. The, uh, needing to finish chances. That's, that's <laughs> certainly right. a common refrain we've heard. Uh, and yeah, obviously it's a, a tough format when, uh, you know, going right after the game. So. I uh, appreciate y'all bearing with us, uh, bringing you the post-game press conference uh, here on the morning after show. Uh, I think we're going to have to get into you know talking about the the comments about the the roster building. Uh, Losada is you know, clearly you know frustrated by it, and we've touched on it in the past, talking about how if you have a you know roster where you've spent millions and millions. You know, you have higher expectations for what the players can do, and that generally indicates a higher level of talent. Uh, it's not quite a situation where we've had uh, years in the past, like you know, 2013, 2017, where not many of our players could crack the lineup for the other team. Really, anyone we're playing, uh, yeah. But we would have a hard time seeing many of the DC United players in 
an Atlanta uniform uh, based on how much they're spending and how much they're doing. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're better players, but there's a different profile. And I think you did see a different level of touch and a different level of uh, of quality out there last night. That doesn't mean that you can't overcome it, but the margins are a bit tighter when you're playing against a team that has higher levels of talent out there. And you've got to you know, you got to play your system. You saw that DC United was having success with the press, uh, obviously having success creating chances. Uh, you know, I don't think Lasada is too far off base saying that uh, a tie would probably have been well deserved, but you you gave up two goals. Yeah. Uh, I think Kevin had two saves on the night. Uh, you know, had a couple other guys. You know, stand up big in defense, but uh, at the end of the day we're not going to have a whole lot of success if DC United is only scoring one goal a game. It's not a system that's built to hold on to one zero or, you know, try to get a one, one uh, result out of it. What do you think, John? Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's right. And, and I, I want to go a little bit deeper on the, the comments that Lasada continues to make about the roster composition and, and the, the sort of financial situation we find ourselves in because you know, I, I've gone back and forth on it a couple of times. You know, I think I was with you a, a, a show or two ago, and I was kind of, I was just, I was getting tired of hearing that because it is reality, right? It is, it is the world we live in. DC United does not have as deep of pockets, or at least they haven't flexed that muscle on the field this season or last season, and, and perhaps that's where we're going um, down the road. We we all hope that we'll see a little bit more spending. But I'm I'm almost kind of swinging back the other way on the pendulum because as as fans, it is a constant gripe that we have. You know, of like we we line up against a team like Atlanta or against you know any any of these teams that that have, have constantly filled out their DP slots and then they're they're spending a ton of tam. They're doing everything they can to get the best players in, available on their roster. No one's hearing our voices, right? We're we're we're, we're sometimes screaming into the void on Twitter and complaining that that we're not spending enough money. Lasada's in a very unique position in the fact that he's he's the coach of this team. And so is is there something to be said for him constantly saying that to the media and, and I'm presumably behind the scenes as well in, in conversations with you know Lucy Rushton and Dave Casper and, and hopefully Jason Levy in about guys, you, you you got me handcuffed here. Like you're seeing what we can do as 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 we bring this style in, as we we get the fan base on board with playing this exciting style of, of soccer. We don't have good enough players. We've, we've got a lot of talent on this team, but if you bring in one or two more high-end players, all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're probably gaining some more points this week, and, and all of a sudden, we're, we're near the top of the standings permanently, not, you know, ebbs and flows throughout the season. You know, I, I wonder if there's something to Lasada's continued messaging here of really trying to get ownership to see that, this project doesn't work if we don't invest a little bit more on the field. Yeah. And I think we do have to caveat it with the observation that our highest paid players, our DPs, you know, Paul and Edison haven't been on the field together more than about the 10 minutes. And again, they scored during this 10 minutes. You know, you're starting to see some of the quality from Edison. uh, And you'd like to get Paul back out there as soon as you can, you know, within the, confines of trying to remain healthy and and what have you uh but i think you're exactly right when you talk about uh having to make investment in the team you know soccer 
for like for better or for worse, it's uh, you know even in a salary cap league, you're functioning in an international system where you spend more and you're likely to get a higher end player. Uh, Atlanta's you know fresh on the mind. I played them last night. They were having a disappointing season. They went out and dropped twelve million dollars on an attacker who uh, is coming off the you know French league title. Uh, who had a pretty good game yesterday. I didn't score, but uh, you still you can you can see that quality there. And I'm not call, I'm not calling for DC United to spend twelve million dollars you know, speculatively, and uh, certainly not panic buys. But at some point, the the roster the, the quality is going to to bear out what we what we're seeing. And uh, unfortunately, I think you saw a little bit of that last night with a a loss that could have been a point. Uh, Probably in Lasada's mind, should have been a point, but you're you're still only getting maybe one point out of that game. Yeah, and and all that's to say, I mean, when when we take a quick peek at the standings here, I mean, definitely agree. Dis- disappointing season for for Atlanta. They're they're tied with us on 27 points, um, and I think most DC United fans removed from this painful week of three consecutive defeats would say that we're we're having a pretty good season, perhaps even above expectations overall. Um, I, maybe not. Maybe folks feel differently. I think that's that's where my head is right now. There, there's there's an element of disappointment because we were we were talking going into the Nashville game about how we were a couple points off a of second place, and now we're very much clinging to that red line, uh, tied with Atlanta and, and only three points ahead of, of Columbus for a playoff spot. Um, but the teams right above us are, are are right there. It is very bunched up with the exception of New England that is absolutely just run away with the regular season in the East. Um, but when you look at the makeup of some of these teams above DC United, you know, Montreal to me is a, is a similar situation. You know, DC United should be competing with, with Montreal. New York City, um, they got a ton of money. They got a, they, and then they have not performed this year. I think they're similarly disappointed in their season so far. And Nashville's an interesting case. Um, it just jumps out at me every time. 11 draws on the year. Nashville is the case of get the points. You know, if you can, you're going to be disappointed in some of those games where maybe you, we should have had three, but you ended up with one. But the games where you, you could have had zero and, and you ended up finding a point, they're on 32 in, in fourth place as a result of that. So lots of opportunity here for DC United. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit about Philly coming to town next. Um, but we've got uh, Steve Birnbaum, who joined for the second half of the postgame press conference, uh, and we'll send it over to Steve now. We'll go to Jason Anderson first. Hi, Steve. Thanks for speaking with us. Um, yep. uh, I wanted to ask, you know, in a game where you had so many chances as a group, um, how did you see the game playing out, especially with the fact that Atlanta was able to counter so much before halftime and then after halftime, they, they really only had the the one or two looks. Yeah. I mean, obviously um, we were a bit open and um, in the first half and, you know, our press wasn't, wasn't great as a collective, um, but we still had chances um, to, to nick one in the first half. And then obviously we were putting it on them in the second half and uh, you know, we felt like there was more to come, obviously, goal scoring wise, with the amount of shots and chances we had in their box. Um, so it was unfortunate not to get that, and then to give up a, a second, like we did in the second half when they didn't really have much in the second half was it's kind of a gut gut check. So um, you know, just back to the drawing board and getting ready for next week. We'll go to Jose Umania. Hey, Steve. 
um, was just listening to Hernan. He said there was nothing more he could ask for you guys to do. He felt that you guys played a miraculous game. Um, what's the attitude in the locker room now? It's three straight losses, and but still having your coach come out here and saying you guys are doing everything right to earn the result. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the locker room is disappointment right now. You know, we felt like obviously we did enough to win that game or at least get something out of the game um, in the last game as well. So, you know, we're making tiny errors to um, in these games that are, that are ending up, you know, punishing us and in, in, you know, making losses for us. So uh, disappointment, but, you know, we know we still got a ton of games left. We're still in a good position in the East. Uh, we have to go back and look at the film and, correct those mistakes and make sure that, you know, we don't um, do this again. And, you know, obviously finish our chances, you know, we had have, have a ton out there. So finish a couple of those. I think that's a different game out there. So, um, you know, on to the next one uh, for Saturday. We'll go back to Jason Anderson. Steven, I wanted to ask about um, obviously the goal that uh, Reina scored tonight was a uh, pretty spectacular um, it seems like he's very suddenly kind of found not just good form, but a massive amount of confidence. Uh, what have you seen from him, you know, in training away from, away from the field, all of that stuff that has allowed him to sort of, uh, find his best form. Yeah. I mean, the talent's there. He's, he's awesome. Um, he's got so much skill and you can see it obviously in the games, he does the same stuff in training. So, um, it's great. You know, he's gotten, got some confidence going and, uh, he's feeling good, so you know we're we're gonna ride that train as long as possible. He's doing great, Steve. That's it, man. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Well, the locker room remains in good spirits. It sounds like after listening to uh, Stephen Burnbaum there, and uh, your thoughts on on what he had to say. Yeah, I think you know we're, certainly you know listening to him talk, you cheer up a bit, bit thinking about that goal from Yordi. That that was a fantastic strike and you know to have the presence of mind to look up and say hey you know Guzan's not quite back there yet he's still kind of setting up why don't have a go uh you know Felipe had did something similar in the uh the Capital Cup just sneaking in under the wall like you know put it up there have a, ch- a chance and do it uh and Lasada mentioned earlier that you don't need you shouldn't have to rely on a a world you know, a world-class goal to create uh scoring for you uh because without that that this is a, a 1-0 or you know, perhaps a 2-0 game despite the number of chances there but uh you know it certainly seems like and again steve is a you know model captain when it comes to, to talking to the media he's not gonna step out too much he's always you know very on message but uh, i think it's fairly reflective of what we've heard from the other players that they believe in what we're doing uh certainly frustrated when things don't turn out their way, but uh, it's a, it's a tough thing to do and uh, come out in these press conferences afterwards and uh, talk about games that are disappointing. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think one of my favorite phrases to use during a game, uh, especially when things are a little bit shaky in the back is adventures in the back line. And, and I look at DC United this season and they've been living that, but, but not necessarily because we don't have talent back there, but because the injuries have just been devastating. It, it's been hard to even establish any sort of continuity across the back line. I think, you know, coming into this season, it was very much expected that your three center backs would be um, Burnbaum. Pines and Heinz Eich, and Pines and Heinz Eich have been unavailable for a good portion of the season as of late. 
Burnbaum was unavailable for a good portion of the season at the beginning. Um, and, and so thank God we've had Andy Nahar been able to step in. Um, Alfaro's put in some good shifts. He's had some shakier shifts. Uh, but but that has been tremendously challenging. And I, I just while, while you were talking there, I was looking here to see, you know, sort of this year compared to last year in terms of goals scored and, and, and goals against. Last year, D.C. United only scored 25 goals on the season. They gave up 41. That was in an entire season. Well, I guess 23 games we mm-hmm. played last year. Um, this year, we're right around that mark. We're two games shy of that. We're at 21 right now. Uh, we have already scored 32 goals, and we've only given up 31. So ju- just to kind of put into perspective, we haven't given up nearly as many goals as we did last season. But the output is much higher. And I think, you know, we've talked at nauseum about Ola Kamara coming into his own. Last night, I'm sure he would be the first to say it was not his best game of the season. He, he missed some chances, as you pointed out. Um, but seeing Jordi Reyna come in with confidence now is, is awesome to see. Kevin Paredes seems more confident on the ball. Last night was not perhaps his best game either. Uh, but the attacking options really are there. And if, if, if this, the back line can get some health back and maybe you get Bill Hamid back down the stretch... I still think this team could do some damage in the playoffs. Well, yeah, if you think back to last year, uh, you know, obviously DC United pulled off a, a late winner against Atlanta in Atlanta. Uh, but the first time we played Atlanta here in DC, again, no fans in the stands, but Atlanta really shellacked uh, DC United and uh, then following a, a midweek uh, you know, beat down by New York City, fire their coach. So, we're definitely in a better spot than we were uh, you know, relative to the same teams. You know, talk about adventures in the back line, um, you know, having that consistency at the back and having uh, similar guys out there week in, week out certainly helps, uh, particularly on the way that you've seen goals scored against us. Uh, you know, Atlanta had success on the counter yesterday. Uh, New England had yep. success on the counter uh, in, the, in the midweek game. Uh which is a very different situation than, you know, a lot of that's panic. You're, you're trying to get back. You're trying to recover. And that's part of what Lasada system is going to lend itself to, to causing, but you're not seeing quite as many goals come from set pieces or, you know, steady buildup around the box. Uh, it really is that those panic moments where you've got to get back. You've got to, you know, hopefully make a save. And frankly, you know, Kevin made a fantastic save on, on Joseph in that second half that could have, uh, really blown it wide open for Atlanta. So they're they're doing it, but you're again walking on very thin margins there when you're talking about uh, giving up lots of opportunities to counter. That's what attackers love to do. It's what they love to see is have that opportunity. Uh, and when you have a lot of those games, you're going to eventually get bit. Yeah, your usual refrain on the show is that Bill Hamid is is worth about a goal a game, right? And um, you know, I think last night, as we said, Kempen played one of his better games, probably his best game this week. Um, probably not his best game of the season. He was playing much better uh, prior to Hamid returning. But I, one of our our friends and, and longtime listeners, uh, Steve, was talking to us last night in, in the stands a little bit when I was venting about the fact that we we haven't even seen uh, Chris Seitz at all this week. You know, three three games in, in seven days, goalkeeper not playing super great. I am still surprised that we didn't see a run out um, of, of Chris Seitz in any of these games. Steve made a point that it's it's possible, and this is all speculation. Of course, that uh, Lasada sees Kempen as potentially the long-term backup, 
or potentially even a long-term starting option if, if Bill were to try his hand overseas again or, or, or retire. Um, and, and perhaps that's why Sites isn't getting the minutes right now because Lasada sees value in just playing Kempen through it. And, and from, from a career-building perspective, when you're having a, a tough time, get out there and play through it and, and come out the other side because we know he has talent. What are your thoughts on on sort of the entire goalkeeping situation right now and, and perhaps why we haven't seen Chris Seitz this week? You know, I think it's an interesting observation. Uh, you know, at this point, Chris Seitz is 34 years old. Uh, John Kevin's 28. Uh, keepers have a little bit more longevity, but... Uh, yeah, so Kempen's certainly not a you know, homegrown, fresh out of uh, fresh out of college or fresh out of the academy or, or what have you, uh, but still relatively young and you know looking for a chance to to break through and really establish himself. Uh, and the, the play is going to have to be better if you're going to be counting on him as a long term option. Um, again, it's hard to speculate too much without actually being in practice, seeing uh, what guys are doing. I mean, it's possible that you know, both keepers are playing terribly in practice and yeah. it's just a question of uh, rolling a guy out or who knows. Uh, th- there are so many different elements that go into that. Uh, it's not really even worth trying to hypothesize about. Uh, and I don't know that you can necessarily plan on Bill leaving unless there has been a discussion about it with him or you, know, you saw what happened a couple years ago when you did leave and you're kind of in a lurch had yeah. two barely veteran MLS keepers come in to fill the void, but yeah, certainly love having Bill back and you know fully in the fold. Uh, I mean, you, you do need to have a, a quality backup keeper uh, if you're going to go with Bill as your starter. Uh, I don't think he's been healthy for an entire season in, in a year since I've followed the team. Yeah, not one that I can yeah. remember. You know, sometimes it's you know better than others, but whether it's a knee issue or you know, it's issues, and, and they're, they're not problems that you know, are Bill's fault or any you know, you can't blame a guy for getting hurt. Uh, but when you're you know playing the way that Bill plays, he's you know putting his body on the line. It's a risk that comes with the job, and you've got to have a backup keeper. And it feels like we tend to draft backup keepers in the draft fairly often. Uh, of what dubious value the draft can be but it seems like we're often looking to, to fill out that depth there with that acknowledgement that we do need to have a viable option back there um uh, for me that's not the depth that this team is lacking first and foremost that's not what we need to be going out and spending a lot of money on uh again vice versa with atlanta they're spending close to a million dollars a year on brad guzan who had a couple of great saves yesterday similar to Kempen, probably not worth the what you're paying for him. Uh, which might make sense. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a good point bringing up Guzan too, right? It, is that, I, I mean, overall, would I, would I feel better if Guzan was our backup versus Kempen or Seitz? Probably, but certainly not Kemp, or certainly not uh, Guzan over Hamid to start. And, and when you look at what John Kempen did yesterday, I don't think there was a whole lot that separated Brad Guzan from him. Um, it's, I think it's it's largely the the week as a whole, and and still the the battle scars from from Nashville that are kind of seared into my mind. But um, I think DC United would be in, in a much better place if they had that health in the back line this week. You know, some 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 center backs other than uh, Steve Birnbaum to kind of help bail out 
Kempen on, on, on some of these situations would would have been nice. Um, and, and hopefully we'll get some updates maybe midweek on, on the health of guys like Donovan Pines and Brendan Heinzeich. I know Heinzeich we're probably expecting to be out a, a little bit longer, and we'll see if Lasada is willing to talk a bit about what he's seeing from Kempen Insights in, in practice. And of course, who knows when when Bill Hamid will be back? I'm, I'm hopeful in the next couple of weeks as well, as we go into the stretch run. Was there anything else from this game you wanted to cover before we move into the man of the match segment? No, I think we've covered it fairly well. Um, I don't think we need to get too far into uh, complaining about the officiating. Uh, my general thought on that is uh, MLS officials are bad. They tend to be bad both ways. That doesn't mean that they're necessarily perfectly consistent missing both directions but they tend to not be exactly what you'd hope for uh you talked a little bit earlier about how that made the game very choppy i think he missed things in both directions um on the whole the officiating did not determine how the game turned out which is about the minimum you can ask for uh you'd still like to see better from pro referees yeah absolutely i I, i'm i remain surprised that that account has not blocked me yet due to my constant venting about uh their inability to do their basic job but um one one particular call uh that was very difficult for us to see it happen at the other end of the stadium was the joseph martinez goal a lot of shouts from listeners um who were watching at home and, and even uh fans who were seated elsewhere in the stadium thought that he was really offside and, and may have warranted a var look of course it, it would have been checked um it certainly wasn't something that involved in on-field check or, or a monitor visit. Um, I, to me, seeing the one replay behind us, I, I thought he was on, um, but I, I did not get to look at it much. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, it was a pretty quick turnaround to come back out and get the game going again. Um, again, I have not seen the replay of it, and I haven't uh, sat down and hashed over it, you know, I kind of mind that it is what it is at this point. Uh, but there certainly were a lot of people calling for it. Uh, at this point, VAR is ingrained enough and they have enough practice with it that I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they actually looked at it and saw something that said not a clear and obvious error, particularly something like offside where it's, again, relatively clear that uh, when someone's off or not, uh, no, I could you know, go back and watch the replay this week and eat my words, but for now I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because uh, it wasn't like they you know, took a few minutes and then still came to the same decision. It was uh, enough time to have looked at it, but not enough time to really tear your hair out of it. Yeah, I think I saw my first use of VAR in the Premier League yesterday uh, on, on this season uh, on an offside call in the Liverpool-Burnley game. And, and uh, as an aside, I will tell you it is probably a better experience for fans to not watch them draw the lines they're they're now not showing that and they just show you the end product and the lines are, are of course a little bit uh, a little bit fatter this year which i think will help but the good news for the premier league is that one was very clearly offside i don't think there was much debate we'll see how that goes as as the margins get tighter and tighter throughout the season um moving into the man of the match segment i believe i went first on wednesday and the team gave us nothing to work with in terms of their man of the match um so Michael, who you got? Um, it's, it's hard. Uh, so for me, I really like seeing. I think we didn't. We're not, not going to give enough credit for Burnbaum for coming off injury and really slotting back in as a guy who 
you know, you're not surprised to see him on the team sheet. He does exactly what you're expecting from him. There's probably still a little bit of rust there to work off, but I thought he had a great game. Uh, I'm going to give my player of the match, though, to Yordi, uh, guy coming off the bench, uh, stepping up with confidence to hit that uh, strike. Uh, really could be an endless goal of the week. Uh if we found out how to scan the bot accounts uh, on the voting there. Uh, <laughs> fantastic strike from him. And he really uh, managed to animate things. Uh, and I, again, not to be too negative, uh, I don't think even Sam could give Kevin Paredes uh, game, a man of the match uh, this week. It was a, a little bit of a coming back to earth for him after a long run of a really good form. Uh, but you expect that from young guys. He'll uh, he'll bounce back. I'm sure. You know, you say that, and I agree with you. Uh, but I, as I, as I'm looking at the the who scored results for last night, Kevin Paredes was the third highest scored DC United player last night, which which surprises me because I, I thought he uh, he had some missteps last night. But you know, the thing that the thing that constantly will give Kevin an edge is he never quits on anything. He he he. To me, he very much embodies the the Vamos Parmas. Uh, mindset of even when he gets beat on a play, he's the, the first person back. Uh, and the good news is he's young enough where he's allowed to make some mistakes still. <laughs> um, but for me, I, I oh man, in, in the interest of, of diversifying the the results here a little bit, um, I will go a slightly different direction. Um, Julian Gressel, I thought, had a tremendous game last night. Uh, and I hope Josh was out there listening to hear me say this because it's not something I've said much uh, since he's been on the team. But I really thought, I mean, maybe we tell Gressel we're playing Atlanta every week. I don't know if that's what got him up for the game. Um, but he he played great. He won a number of balls in the midfield, as usual, quality deliveries in from set pieces um, and, and even on crosses. I, I thought Gressel was a monster out there last night. Um you can't take anything away from from Reyna coming in. He he wasn't in for for very long. Um, he came in in the fifty. He came in at halftime and scored just nine minutes later, um, on an absolute goal. So I apologize to our our viewers who couldn't have been at the game last night. We saw on Twitter that the the broadcast may have missed the goal in real time. I'll have to go back and and watch. Um, I, when he scored that goal, I actually I thought for sure it was going to come back just for people weren't set. Ref wasn't ready. I mean, it was it was immediate. Um. But no, that, that, that's that's awesome for him, and to hear uh, from from Burnbaum say he's just continuing to get more and more confident. Um, he's a different type of attacker, and and if this team can continue to score goals, um, they're going to put themselves in in positions to win three points. Sure, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that connection between Reina and Flores, in particular, continue to develop. Uh, it's always good to have different looks to different options up there, and. I appreciate the shout for Gressel because he really had a strong game at both ends. Uh, you know, you, you have come used to expecting him to, you know, be creating potential assists and going forward. But, you know, he also made some emergency defending and uh, really held up his end at both ends. So uh, I have no problem with that shout either. Yeah, and with that, we'll look around the grounds uh, here in the DMV. Loudon hosts the Tampa Bay Rowdies tomorrow on Monday at 7 p.m. Uh, it looks like the the Stampede are back in the stands out there in Loudon, which is great to see and hear. Uh, they're always an exciting watch. Absolute goal explosion midweek, so hopefully they can keep that going. Um, but just later today, the Spirit take on Orlando at 4 p.m. Um, in, in town at Audi. 
Uh, so lots of opportunity, lots of things going on for the Spirit, many of which are not good off the field. Um, hopefully they can pull together a, a result and, and really plunge forward towards the playoffs um, today against Orlando. And DC uh, United's next game is home on Saturday against Philly at 8 p.m. Um, this will actually be our final show for a little while. Joshua and Sam will be back in the saddle uh, hopefully next weekend, and then you probably won't hear from us. I'm looking at the calendar right now. Um it's looking like September 11th is the is the next game that that you and I might be able to to join a, a, a post game show for potentially. Uh, we've got the the game next Saturday, and then of course we're going to an international break, so it's some time for DC United to get healthy. Yeah, you know it's uh, definitely a good time for that. Uh, I think we can be grateful that uh, I don't think we have anyone participating in the All Star game this Wednesday. Uh, Hope they all have fun. I guess. DC United will likely be represented by a logo somewhere around the field. I would imagine. <laughs> That's about all I want to send to an All Star game. Uh, again, enough. put all the, the plots on the players and your name, the team, whatever, but don't make them play any more than they have to. I'm sure Lasada has thoughts on the uh, the scheduling of an, an extra <laughs> meaningless game. <laughs> Look forward to hearing from him. Hopefully, uh, uh, midweek as well, and and. I am actually intrigued to hear his thoughts on the All-Star game. <laughs> oh, for sure. And the other thing we'll, we'll, we'll mention here um, is some, some cool news from the team and their uh, their jersey partner, Lightos, this week, announcing that they're going to donate uh, $1,000 per goal for the rest of the season, up to twenty k um, to fight multiple sclerosis, sclerosis or MS. As, uh, as many of our listeners probably know, that's something that um, Dave Johnson is, is dealing with. Uh, and it's just super cool to see um, Lighthouse giving some money towards that. It's a great cause. It's a disease we can definitely beat. Um, and and the, the research that that money will hopefully allow for and hopefully the, the black and red score number of goals to, to hit that 20K threshold um, will be invaluable in the fight. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think Dave Johnson is still our uh, most frequent guest on the show. And yeah, nothing but uh, respect for the man and what he's done and you know certainly appreciate dc united doing this i'd love to see dc united go ahead and get those 19 goals eh, next weekend uh just go ahead and, and cover it make sure we're, we're good and that'll have uh some pretty good effects moving forward i think you'll never hear me argue with the concept of burying a philadelphia team uh what did we miss tonight michael this morning i think we covered it you know <laughs> Again, we've talked about how, as you know, being fans and you know, in our show's format in particular, we're going to be you know, yo-yoing back and forth, game by game, uh, you know, trying to give you our thoughts, reactions, feelings uh, on the games as they go. Uh, you know, I think we were perhaps a, a bit negative today, uh, which you would expect after a week where we dropped three games, and at least two of them felt like there should have been at least some kind of points involved in there. Uh, but I think in general, uh, we're excited about this team. You know, it's, it's still, it's a very different uh, place than we were a year ago uh, where frankly, we were dreading turning on uh, the mics after the games and <laughs> finding something to talk about uh, after another dire performance. Uh, you know, the team is trending in the right direction. Uh, we've got a lot of excitement about what Lozada is doing and, we're hopeful that that's going to result in points and eventually result in cups. 
Yeah, let's hope so. And next year with the return of the Open Cup and maybe even the League's Cup for DC United, I don't know if we want that or not, uh, we'll, we'll add to Lasada's uh, trophy collection, which already includes the, the coveted Capital Cup. Philly come to town this weekend. They're tied with us on wins on the season with eight, and they're only five points ahead of us in the standings. It's a team we played closely earlier this season, and it's a team that hopefully we can nick a point or all three from uh, just uh, seven days from now. So if there's nothing else to add, thank you guys for getting up early with us this morning or listening to us on the podcast. We appreciate all your support, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Tried and True, the morning after show edition presented by Heineken 0.0.